Hello, and welcome to another mini-sode of Body Counts and Beer. I am Mark Rosenthal. I am Patrick Bromley. I don't have a joke name right now, because I couldn't oh, think of one in time. Tough break, John Rooney? John Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> Say it with all the sadness you know it has. Well, this is a pretty sad mini-sode. <laughs> yeah, oh. so... Uh, as you know, we've been going through the Star Wars uh, saga for these last couple months here, and recently, as of this recording, just yesterday, um, the actress, writer, uh, Hollywood legend, Carrie Fisher, passed away, and... Um, Heart attack on a plane. Yeah. Which is just terrifying to think about. Yeah, exactly, and so we just want to take, a, take some time and just kind of discuss her contributions, not just to the Star Wars universe, but definitely as it pertains to Star Wars, but just to uh, life in general, and just kind of celebrate this uh, fantastic woman of Hollywood who did some uh, pretty amazing things, uh, if you're not aware. Um, so why don't we just start, John, why don't you uh, start a little bit here and talk about Carrie? Yeah, I mean, she's uh, certainly in the from the very first moment of the very first Star Wars movie, New Hope, uh, the very first thing she does is talk back to Darth Vader, which is insanely ballsy because he comes in with this very you know you look at him and you're like oh shit that guy's fucking serious business and there's that big booming stinger of a soundtrack underneath him and he's very scaring and intimidating and uh one of the first thing he does is walk in and choke a guy to death right and she just does is just completely unfazed by it unflappable just determined and that more so than the other main Star Wars actors, felt very much like Carrie Fisher, her personality coming out of the character sure. rather than necessarily it's, portraying a character. Yeah, it's kind of an open secret that what we see of the character uh, Leia uh, is less what was on the page, like on the script that was given to her, and more of Carrie Fisher just like making choices and bringing that character to life and kind of like rewriting it on the fly. Uh, in making that character what it was, uh, unlike a lot of like f- uh, f- like science fiction action adventure heroines, she's not damseled as much as you would expect. Uh, you know, sure, for the time I, period, she is occasionally, but even when she, she needs is, to be rescued, but she's never helpless. Right, and even uh, yeah, exactly. As soon as she is rescued in New Hope, the first thing she does is get them out of another jam that they got themselves yeah, into. Yeah, take a gun and just start shooting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, like to put this in context, like we can look back with our you know 2016 lenses, and there's definitely some problems with Leia's character, but at the time, it was just unheard of to have such a strong female lead in such a male dominated kind of realm of pop culture. Especially in a movie where she is, like, the only female. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, except for, like, Aunt Beru. Yeah, but I mean, like... But, like, she... whatever. Aunt Beru's just got a dumb denim jacket. <laughs> Princess Leia's got a Carrie Fisher. Tough break, denim. <laughs> <laughs> but she really is. She's the only, like, lead female character in all the three original Star Wars movies. Um, and she's just as much of a lead... As Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, I mean, she gets equal billing. In they the all credits. get equal billing yeah. in the credits. You know, Absolutely. it's Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison. And Ford. if you if you go back to, uh, I know that the DVD release of the original trilogy. I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray. It might be, um, but there's this great documentary called Empire of Dreams. Where oh they yeah. Actually, they find some of the audition footage of some of the other actors that auditioned for Princess Leia, and it is just clear from the moment uh, Carrie Fisher starts saying this clunky, bizarre dialogue that she's just nailing it. She is hitting it out of the park. Right. And, like, this is a time... I mean, like, the people she was up against were, like, Cindy Williams 
from Laverne and Shirley. Uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Um, oh, there's one other like person that she went what up a against. Weird alternate universe those people must live yeah. in. Yeah, where Jodie Foster was Leia. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah. oh, and Sissy Spacek. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> at the time, Brian De Palma and George Lucas, both very good friends, were casting <clears throat> De Palma for Carrie. And George Lucas for Star Wars. And so they were basically auditioning actors and actresses at the same time for both movies. And like like Carrie Fisher had said, like, you know, how crazy it would have been to be Carrie playing Carrie in the movie Carrie. (laughs) And this, uh, you got to remember that uh, Star Wars was only her second movie that she had ever done. She was 19 at the time. Yeah, and her her first movie was like three lines in shampoo. Well, it was shampoo, and then she also had a starring role in a film that no one's ever heard of called Under the Rainbow, oh, opposite true, Chevy yeah. Chase. It is unwatchable. Oof. It is real rough. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, in Shampoo, she just plays, like, I, I haven't seen Shampoo in ages, but I remember very specifically, there's the scene where she walks up to Warren Beatty, and she says, hey, you want to fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. and, and she, at the time, she's, you know, 17 years old, you know, 18 oh. years old. Oh, the 70s. Yeah. Well, she was born into Hollywood royalty, right? Like, her yeah, mom is Debbie, Debbie Reynolds. Reynolds. Her dad was Eddie Fisher. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, and her dad, you know, her dad's Eddie Fisher, who eventually leaves Debbie Reynolds for fucking Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. Who was, you know, not only, you know, Elizabeth Taylor at the time, but also happened to have been Debbie Reynolds' like, best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, even from that early age, uh, what was always very clear about Carrie Fisher is she was incredibly self-possessed. Uh, it, it seems very clear, not just from her performances, but also just from stories about her life in general, that she, you know, she did absolutely go through a lot of trouble in her life. She had a lot of bouts of addiction, and she had a lot of mental health issues that she was very open and honest about. Mm-hmm. She very much owned herself completely and was very honest about who she was. Uh, in fact, um, she would advocate very passionately for a better understanding of mental health and that it's not a sign of failure if you need to reach out for help. It's the best thing you can do. It's, it's not your fault that this is happening. You can get better from it. You can become a person about it. Right. Like, I, I think uh, one magazine at some point was quoted as calling her the Betty Ford for the Star Wars generation. Like, this is a person who... Yeah, went through, had a lot of issues, and I mean, like, never courted fame, never, like, was never really wanting to be she out wasn't there. wasn't really in the public eye until Star Wars, and Star Wars itself was very much a low-budget kind of picture. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to necessarily become right. but, and this like, zeitgeist. Exactly, and even when the movie became a success, you know, when in, at that time, you know, she could have gone on the press junkets and been like, oh, and just been like the cute, you know, eight, 19-year-old ingenue. But she wasn't. She was the brutally honest, like, woman who was just front and center. And just, like, pe- the studio was telling her, you can't say these things. And she's like, well, I already did. Sorry. Right. Like, that's what's in my head. And right. I get to say what's in my head. Yeah, like, and she was an yeah. independent and strong woman. And she just did what she wanted. And she did that for her entire career. Yeah, she, I, I mean, uh, beyond just Star Wars, she was also in uh, When Harry Met Sally. The uh, Burbs. The Burbs. Blues Brothers. Uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she just would always, it, it's it's one of those rare talents that, again, she never disappeared into a character. She always brought herself out in those characters. Uh, like, you, you never got tricked into, like, 
is that Carrie Fisher? Oh God, it's Carrie Fisher. It's always like, oh God, that's Carrie Fisher. And she belongs in this movie. Right. Uh, in a way that's not distracting from it, but it's still very honest about it. Right. Patrick, anything you want to... You know, actually, outside of Star Wars, I don't know anything about Carrie Fisher, to be honest. Oh, with you. okay. Yeah, yeah, oddly enough. <laughs> well, then, a great place to start is her one-woman show that she then released as a book called Wishful Drinking. Which, 2008. What a perfect name for anything ever. Yeah, it was her first um, first attempt at a... Uh, I shouldn't say attempt. Her first uh, stab at a memoir. Uh, she wrote two more afterwards. Um, she had written a couple novels beforehand and some screenplays. Oh yeah, she was. Uh, she really paved the way for uh, female writers in Hollywood. She did a yeah. tremendous amount of script doctor work, which, again, she didn't do for the fame because script doctors don't get credit. Yeah, her and Nora Ephron were like the two, like real big leading. Because Nora yeah. Ephron had done like Heartburn, like wrote the book Heartburn and then adapted its screenplay, and then made they made a movie starring Meryl Streep, and then in 1987. Uh, she had written the book Postcards from the Edge, which was sort of a uh, thinly veiled autobiographical, autobiographical right. novel about a actress getting out of rehab and living with her controlling Hollywood mother. Um, and they made a movie out of it starring Meryl Streep. Yeah. And, uh, she's got a wonderful quote, which is, uh, you know you've made it when Meryl Streep wants to play you in a movie. Right, yeah. And it's just like, it is It is a tremendous honor. And then she also, again, brutally funny and witty and honest. She had another thing of, uh, after that movie came out, she would be talking to people and people would slowly realize that she's not Meryl Streep. And she called it Meryl streep this The yeah. disappointment of realizing Carrie Fisher is not Meryl Streep. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she was a big-time script doctor in the 90s. She um, did work on Lethal Weapon 3, Last Action Hero. Outbreak, uh, all the Star Wars prequels, um, all sorts of stuff. Like, uh, weird, random things you yeah. wouldn't expect that, you know, bear her mark. Um, and you'd never know unless you bothered to look things up like that. And she made a, a goodly amount of money doing that. She was... Very, very, uh, very successful at being a script doctor. The wedding singer yeah. of all movies, like an Adam Sandler. <laughs> I think comic, she also which like, probably explains why it's the most palatable Adam Sandler. Oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the one Adam Sandler movie that he actually comes off as a person and not an obnoxious collection of catchphrases. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's just absolutely like she was just a tremendous talent across many different forms. Absolutely. Um, you know, she did a lot of fantastic work, um, again, as a writer, and really paved the way for people like, you know, Tina Fey. Um, and she was very eager to work with uh, young, up-and-coming mm -hmm. talents as well. Again, like like Tina Fey on 30 Rock, she came in and did a guest episode, and it's incredible. And uh, working with Daisy Ridley on episode 7, uh, Daisy Ridley would say that she was incredibly generous with her time and attention, and very, very... Uh, eager and willing to to help people realize their careers at a, at a young age, which is something that she mightily struggled with. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so she was very uh, open and eager to share that experience to spare other people from having to go through the mistakes that she felt she had made. And and also at the same time, like during the whole like press lead up to Force Awakens, still 
you know, still being Carrie Fisher, like, going out to promote the movie, like, I think it's a great movie. I think it was shitty they told me I had to lose weight for it, but yeah. what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a well, great movie, but I told Daisy Ridley, fight for your outfit. You don't have to wear a fucking bikini like yeah. I did. Like, she, like, no filter and just did what she wanted, and, like, that was, it's just very inspirational and cool that and this, that she was able to do that. You know, she, she had had a lot of body issues, again, growing up as a young starlet in specifically 70s Hollywood, uh, looks were oppressively counted upon. For oh, sure. Women. I mean, so you know, she was dragged into her yeah. mom's cabaret act at a pretty early age, you know. And so she's she's very uh, she she will not tolerate body shaming. And in fact, when people there was this uh, really shitty movement on Twitter of like making fun of the weight that she had gained in the thirty years since Star Wars when she was in Episode Seven, and she just did not suffer that one bit. She had no patience for it. And she was very, you know, upfront about like, look, you get old. I'm happy with the way I look and fuck you if you can't deal with that. Yeah, I think one of her tweets was like, everyone please stop complaining about how badly I aged from, you know, 1977. Unfortunately, you're hurting three of my feelings or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And again, she always kind of had one foot in the sarcastic and one foot in the honest, uh, even when it came to Star Wars, which it's clear that she was very grateful for Star Wars, and it's clear that she was very excited to be a part of that, but she was also able to be like, hey guys, I love you, I love Star Wars, but you're kind of stupid, and it's kind of stupid, and that's fine, because everything's kind of stupid. Right, And like, just own it, and own who you are, and it's great. Yeah, I mean, and just like a, I mean, just a fascinating life, you know, to grow up as the daughter of Debbie Reynolds, who was like one of the biggest stars in like the studio system, and her dad's Eddie Fisher, and then you know she grows up and she goes into movies and she works, and then somehow falls into work, like just being friends with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi at like the beginning of Saturday Night Live, right. just happens to be there and like be like a weird part of that crew and just like strange moments like there was a part where Cary Grant had to talk to Carrie Fisher because she was doing too much LSD right yeah. just like bizarre word salads like that that were just a part of who she was and that was just a part of her life that's just uh, it's just incredible she's mm. just got an incredible story and um, was also really great at giving women a voice in fandom uh you know like she gave an entire generation and counting of young girls something to dress up for for halloween that was a character with a name that wasn't a disney princess not nothing against disney princesses but you know it's if you like sci-fi and you're a woman you can absolutely love princess leia it's it's totally cool it's it's great it's a great first step into a larger world of fandom and it's a very welcoming kind of kind of feeling to have that be kind of like an ambassador to young women who want to be a part of Star Wars or sci-fi in general. Uh, you really couldn't ask for a better role model than Carrie Fisher in that. And uh, again, like even like looking back on the impact that she's had just for my personal life, like, I remember thinking, like, when I was a very little kid and seeing Star Wars for the first time, I was, like, ten or so, and I had, like, no interest in women, because I was ten, and I was just like, you know what? I bet when I have interest in women, I'm gonna want to be with someone who will talk back to Darth Vader. Because <laughs> that's fucking baller. That is, like, that's so great. She talks back to Tarkin. 
She talks back to Vader. She is in a desperate situation of being on board the symbol of Imperial oppression with two of the most powerful enemies that are in the entire galaxy. Two of the most evil people who and are she incredibly tell, dangerous. And she tells him he smells like shit yeah, to his face. To his face. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, she murders Jabba the Hutt. I mean, I, I mean yeah, she kills yeah. Jabba the Hutt with her bare hands. And it's and it, yeah. it's incredible because Jabba the Hutt is the only character to kind of defeat Princess Leia in a way. Uh, he is very demeaning about her to the point where he puts her in that slave bikini and silences her. Like licks her. It's really gross. It's, yeah. it's, he is like a big like walking Reddit subreddit, you know, yeah. like a men's rights subreddit come to life. And it's so gratifying because the Jabba's barge blows up and it could have been very easy for her to just have escaped and flown off. And that would have been fine for the movie. But she fought to be the one to kill that dumb slug because mm-hmm. she was so upset with what was happening to her character because of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, and, you know, good on him for letting her do that. Maybe also give her not a slave costume and let her have some thoughts on the matter. Some dignity. But, like, that death scene is just so satisfying. It it's, really is, it's, yeah. He's such a monster. And he, and the fact that she is the one to give him his comeuppance is just, it's great. It's really wonderful. It's fantastic, yeah. Uh, and also, if you're feeling... Kind of goofy. Uh, she had a, a therapy dog that she had with her at, all the time later in life. Gary! Gary, who is this adorable French bulldog who always has his tongue out and always has his mouth closed. So he always has this derpy look on his face that is just adorable. And she took him everywhere. And like to interviews, mm-hmm. to fan conventions, anywhere she went. The red carpet of The yeah, Force Awakens. The red carpet of Force Awakens where Gary did that very puppy thing of like, well, I'm done walking and sat down and refused to move. And Carrie Fisher was just like, well, that's my service animal. And yep. just scooped him up and carried him off into the theater. And it's just the, you know, I'm very much a dog person. Uh, so I can very much relate to just loving a dumb animal that much. <laughs> uh, and again, like, she brought him on like... Ellen's show and anytime she was being interviewed and it was just like she brought him to a lot of the Star Wars celebration conventions and it was just very much a like you know what he's a part of my life I'm allowed to have this to to express this and if you don't want to deal with that that's fine I just don't have to deal with you right uh, and it's it's so it, again like she was just a very very strong woman mm. just all around so yeah, um, anyone, anything else? Anyone wants to? All right, well, I'll just say, just uh, kind of in closing, um, if you want, besides obviously Star Wars, which she was in, um, I would recommend definitely checking out uh, Hannah and Her Sisters. It's probably the best Woody Allen movie, um, or definitely very much up there, and her performance is really great. Yeah. Um, 
the Blues Brothers, even she's though she terrific is terrific in Blues Brothers. She has a you know she's like an unnamed character, <laughs> this name Mystery Woman, and it's a kind of a problematic trope of the spurned lover who can't get over the man. But it's so cartoonishly over the top. She's so committed to that role that when she's in the sewer with the assault rifle, it's just like yep, perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all perfect sense. Like RPGs, a <laughs> CD flop house. Like it's a it's fantastic. Um. Uh, see uh, postcards from the edge. Yeah, read the it's, book it's or terrific. or see the film uh, which she wrote the screenplay for. Um, uh, Wishful drinking. I know that is on HBO um, streaming right now. HBO Go or now. If you've got access to that, definitely check it out. It is a phenomenal uh, one woman performance. Um, it not it's not stand up. It's like storytelling and it's raw and it's it, funny. It is a true one woman. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing. I I had a blast watching it and it really gave me a, a great appreciation for her beyond just being Princess Leia. Sure. Like And you can see a lot of influence of like of of her memoirs and then uh, other artists like Alison Brechtel, who I don't know if had direct inspiration from Carrie Fisher, but certainly following in that same vein yeah. of just making brutally honest art about yourself. But not forgetting that it's all kind of silly too. Sure. Uh, well, that's pretty much it for um, Star Wars um, mini-sode, Carrie Fisher style this week. Uh, <laughs> is that I'm... pretty much it for Star Wars? That's it. We're done. Uh, next week, next week, we'll be watching... Next week, I don't know, The Raid 2. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so... I do like that I'm going to have all of my podcasts Carrie Fisher style from now on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next week we'll be back with our Empire Strikes Back episode. Um, but until then, uh, please go out and celebrate the work uh, and life of Carrie Fisher. She was amazing, um, and she will be missed. And no matter what uh, part of her life you choose to, to look into or to be a part of, you will not be disappointed. She, yeah. above all else, was relentlessly interesting. That's a great term. Yeah. Relentlessly interesting. I, I like she, that. She is just... Say whatever you will about her. At the end of the day, she was absolutely never boring. No, that's absolutely true. All right. Uh, well, I'm Mark Rosendahl. I am Patrick Bromley. I'm still John Rooney. And that is it for Body Counts and Beer. We'll see you next time.